Hey guys, this is Amanda from the Made for TV Mayhem podcast. If I was more polished and professional, I would do a big Jim Perry impression there and act like a game show host, but I realized I can't do that. So you were listening to the theme to Card Sharks, if you didn't recognize it. It's also the theme to another game show, and if anybody knows and wants to email it in, you could be part of our show too. So we'll have contact information at the end. We are playing TV movie games tonight, which is why you heard that theme and why I wanted to sound like Jim Perry. Uh, one of the best things about Jim Perry, if you ever watch Card Sharks, is it's not a very action-packed show, but in the first season of the 70s version, he used to run out to the podium. It was all action-packed. They played that music. And then he'd like dart to the podium, and he'd be like, you're watching Card Sharks. And then he would, then he would start like a pretty slow show. <laughs> well, well, wasn't it, in the in the original season the car the playing cards were all regular size, <laughs> and so they really had to zoom in. Yes, it, it wasn't until like season, later. It wasn't until season three that I think someone took like a trip to Japan and they had cards there that were enormous. Yeah, they said bring those back. Like maybe we should try that. So they cut those decks. You know, they shuffle and cut those large decks. <laughs> yes. So I don't know how that works. And interestingly enough, and a piece of trivia since we're on trivia tonight. Card Sharks had a blind contestant in the 80s, and what's really interesting about that is, number one, you don't see that many disabled people on game shows, especially blind people, but, you know, I had said to my husband when I really got into Card Sharks a few years ago that I thought that it was a really good show for people who couldn't see because they call out all the cards and everything is like you answer, they ask you a question, and then you say what you think the number is, and you go higher or lower, and then they tell you what the card is you have, and then you say higher or lower. It's a very, like visual game but it's directed the entire time with you mm-hmm. know dialogue and I thought you know I could lay in bed with my eyes closed and watch it it's really great when you have a migraine by the way if you can <laughs> but um anyway I'm starting to get off topic so we're going to play TV movie games so what we're doing mm-hmm. oh see and there's our buzzer <laughs> What we're doing tonight is we're taking a break from our favorite actors and actresses uh, series that we were going to do because I had a really, really rough month and stuff got pushed back and I want to just get a podcast out there. And something that keeps happening when we're talking is Nate or Dan will say, oh, listen to the title of this movie. And then it's some really awesome title. And then we find out what the movie's about. and We're like, wow, that's a letdown. So like when she was bad or the seduction of Gina, which are not at all as salacious as they sound so we decided what we were going to do is play a game where i pull 10 tv movie titles we're probably not going to get through all 10 and i ask dan and nate to tell me what they think the movie's about and then i tell them what the movie's about so what we're going to do is we're going to give brief synopsis of what the movie sounds like to us we're going to cast it if we're um if we want we don't have to but that's an option and then when we're done and we get to what the movie's about, we're going to go ahead and we're going to take a vote and see whose story we like better, the TV movies or Dan or Nate's. Then when we get through some of those, we're going to do, so TV movies also repeated titles a lot. So you'll find movies with the title Innocence or Betrayed. And so I pulled five movies with similar titles to two sets. And I'm going to give Dan and Nate a synopsis. And then their job is to figure out which title that movie belongs to. So uh, hopefully it'll take us about an hour to do it. Um, they've already started playing earlier in our email. They're already way ahead of me with their cast and crew. Stories. <laughs> the movie title I made up was called Seduced by Seduction, which it isn't a TV movie, but if anybody out there is listening from Lifetime, I would really love it if you made that movie. <laughs> it's and a great title. It's a good title. Yeah. And I would really like to see Susan Lucci in it. 
but I'm just going to put that out there for the world to see. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start. You guys, you guys understand the game, right? Because you've already been playing. Yes. yes. And hopefully if they don't understand from my not great explanation of it, they'll figure it out soon enough. So I pulled this title just because I really want to see this movie. Um, I think the title might sort of match the film, but it's called Drive Hard, Drive Fast. Dan, what do you think that movie's about? Uh, Drive Hard, Drive Fast. It's a movie that starts off kind of dark, and it's it's from it's from the it's from the seventies. Uh, who who was the Burt Reynolds like? Who would you say was the Burt Reynolds on TV of the seventies? Sam Elliott. Oh, well, I can do Sam Elliott as the star. And the thing about Drive Hard, Drive Fast is it starts off the first half of the movie is the Drive Hard. He is some sort <laughs> of bounty hunter or something who is traveling across the country to pick uh, somebody up, and he has to bring. He's traveling from like say New York to Detroit, and then he has to do Detroit back to New York. The cops are also. Uh, looking for whoever this person is. But then when you get to the second half of the movie, and maybe this is even a miniseries, I'd have to look check in Merrill to see if it is, because I don't have Merrill nearby. Then the second half, he picks up someone. Who is the Dom DeLuise for TV of the 70s? Dom DeLuise? Yeah, James Coco, was he in any TV <laughs> yeah, movies? He, was, he probably was, yeah. Well, okay. Paul, you so, know, oh, I forgot to put my Paul Sorino movie on here. Okay, go ahead. The And, and what, what happens is um, he the person he picks up ends up being James Coco. And so the return trip is not only lots and lots of cops coming after them, because as they drive back, the cops are coming towards them. So they have to avoid the cops, and then the cops all turn around and begin chasing them. But James Coco is hilarious. Maybe he even has a, like a Belgian accent, like in Murder by Death. Oh, great. And, and so it's sort of like a movie of two halves. Where the first of the first hour or even the first two hours are this kind of rough, tough Sam Elliott at his at his best, and then the second half would be um, this 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 more sort of comedic take on it, just for just to kind of lighten it up for later in the day. You know, you don't want to go to bed uh, like on anything too heavy. It sounds you know? like then came Bronson with high chinks. That could be it. Yeah. <laughs> Nate, yeah. do you have an idea what this movie could be about? Um, I'm picturing uh, Tony Danza, <laughs> oh. and um, he witnessed his brother die in a horrible car accident when he was a young child, and he has grown up to be a stuntman who can actually drive the car very hard, but he's afraid to drive fast because of the trauma oh. he witnessed as a child. So he's got mm. a role in a movie, and he's got to drive fast in this movie. There's no other option. So unfortunately, he hits the alcohol um, and he does take his anger out on his lovely wife, Cheryl, played by Barbara Aiden. <laughs> and um, the whole movie is the buildup to whether he's going to be able to drive fast and get off all the drugs that he started taking because <sighs> of his reckless life. Wow. Okay, you had me at Tony Danza's Married to Barbara Aiden. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, you had me. I, for, I, forgot, I forgot to put women in my film. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> also, I think Barbara Eames like 20 years older than Tony Danza. I'm totally into it. It's a May-December romance. Oh, also on top of everything else. That's pretty good, Nate. That's pretty good. Wow. So Drive Hard, Drive Fast is actually a 1973 TV movie starring Joan Collins, somebody named Brian Kelly, who this was his last film, Joseph Campanella, and Henry Silva. And it's about a race car driver who finds himself in a romantic triangle and a machete-swinging stranger trying to kill him. Wow. Machete. that last part. Me either. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I had no idea. No, I got that off IMDb. I didn't get that off from Merrill because I added it last. Cause uh -huh. Today I was like, I really want that on this list. Mm -hmm. So 
I don't know what, what Meryl will say about it. He'll probably give a better synopsis. But so far, that sounds like the best movie ever made. Although I really like Nate's. I do too. I do too. I think when you throw Barbara Eden in the mix, mm-hmm. it's really hard for me to say no. I, th- I think my synopsis is the sort of thing that when it first airs, people didn't really pay attention. But like 15, 20 years <laughs> down the line, people see it as being a mini masterpiece. I think so. Not, I think so. I think so they the did best. lack the female factor. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't relate to any of the characters. That's true, yeah. What about James Coco with the Belgian accent? He's a little feminine, but not enough. Okay, my apologies. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so here's one that I actually have the promo for. Um, The movie title is Deadly Triangle. Nate? Mm. Um, I'm picturing you have a love triangle. A husband and wife are going to go on a romantic getaway. It's actually their honeymoon. But he was having an affair with the bridesmaid. No, no, no. The maid of honor. <laughs> I guess. And uh, they're taking a trip uh, to the Bermuda Triangle <gasps> while they're in the middle of a love triangle. Metaphor. And I'm picturing it's Robert Urich with his wife, Valerie Bertinelli. Oh. And the maid of honor is Lonnie Anderson. <laughs> Oh. And this is the love triangle that they're going to have within the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> Robert Urich and Lonnie Anderson are going to get it on. Well, that's a, that's an OMG moment if I ever saw one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Dan? I think, um, yeah, I'm seeing um, uh, possibly a college campus. Uh, we're getting their final exams, and there are a bunch bunch of good friends. Um, uh, working together to to graduate. When someone starts killing them with one of those pencil compasses, you know, that's like the, you know, and when you place it down a piece of paper, it's like it sort of like forms a triangle. Yes. And and that one side is sharpened really hard, and someone's stabbing them, sort of like the killer workout where Rhonda kills them with the little safety pin. Yes. Oh. This is sort of like that. So the deadly triangle is this pencil compass, <laughs> which may and and the thing about it is it's it's the you got the pointy end. But then the pencil side is dipped in poison. So if someone happens to pick up that compass and compass and use it, and they lick the pencil end, they die. But what happens is the police don't care. They don't care about these kids. <laughs> However, the young detective team of uh, Christy and Jimmy McNichol show up, and they're going to solve the case. Oh, so once you throw on the McNichols? Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, and and Chrissy's sort of in charge, and and every once in a while they break into like a little song and dance, like when they had that one variety show. Is it possible that Jimmy McNichol could have an affair with Lonnie Anderson? <laughs> I don't see why not. <laughs> I don't see why not. If this is sort of set in the late seventies, yeah, why not? Why not? What was that? What was the show he was in? Whoever at fifteen, whoever at sixteen. Oh, was he in that? Is it James at fifteen? Is it, is that it? I, I don't know if he was that. in that. I don't. I don't know. He didn't star in it, mm-hmm. but he could have been in it. Uh, yeah. So Deadly Triangle sounds nothing like what it actually is. Both of your movies uh, sound really good, and I'm not sure I could pick one, but I'll ask you both for your opinions after I tell you what the movie's actually about, and I'll play the promo for it. Um, Deadly Triangle originally aired on NBC on May 19, 1977. It is about an ex-Olympic ski champion who becomes the sheriff in his hometown in Sun Valley, just in time to investigate the slaying of a member of a ski team that has come to the resort for training. This was the first of two pilot movies for the never-aired Stedman series. 
murder on the ski slopes, and the case is too hot to handle. They are prime suspects. But I'm not going to start an international incident. Now, that is the American biathlon team, not a bunch of hippies living out of a van. The only chance for Hog or me to go to Lake Placid is if one of the regular team members can't make it. Yeah, like if one of us got killed. See the Deadly Triangle. First, Robert Redford narrates The Predators, then Hollywood High, followed by The Deadly Triangle. Thursday, starting at 8, 7 Central and Mountain Time. By the way, what is Hollywood High? I know it's a TNA flick from the movie. Yeah, I don't think it's imagine. that. It has like a Fonzie ripoff character in it, like the Bonds or I something. I saw Hollywood High too, and it was upsetting. I've never seen two. One is okay, I'm not, but that's probably not it. I'm, I would imagine. <laughs> so, what did you guys think of the synopsis for Deadly Triangle? I like Dan's because it sounds like a slasher movie. Yeah, it sounds fun. I liked how it forms the triangle. Yeah. Yeah. But and I, I mean, I, you know, if you're oh, having a triangle, a love triangle in the Bermuda Triangle. That's fantastic, actually. Yeah. That, that's I don't know. I have because my first thought was Bermuda Triangle, but then when you said it, Nate, I thought, no, I gotta, I gotta take it somewhere else. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Are there colleges in the Bermuda Triangle? Is there there like a floating there college on an? There, on there's an a resort that, there. I was going to say, it's like a college. that It's not there every semester. You have to go and make sure it's it's there and tangible. Did, and then you, can did take you a class. cast your movie? I can't, oh, yeah, the McNichols. That's right. Yeah, it's and, and since it's sort of a slash, you just bring a lot of up-and-comers into it and then kind of put them in it. Who would be a 1977 up-and-comer? David Naughton, perhaps? Uh, oh, yeah, David Naughton would be fantastic. Uh, anybody in making it. 77. Um, <laughs> how about, uh, uh, like, Suzanne Summers? Suzanne Summers, yeah, she did Zuma Beach the next year, right? She did '77. She did Ants. Oh, that's right. And that was the first year for Three's Company too. So it was a big... you could, oh my gosh, it could be the three main characters of Three's Company. It could be three of the co, well, not not co-eds or gals, right? I always get that wrong. No, co-eds, co-eds are both. I think when you're co-educational, that means that you're seeing you have both sexes at your college. That's what I think. I always, because I always get confused because Blood Cult, the 1985 slasher, for you folks who don't know it, um, uh, when when it starts off, it's something like it's the, the co-ed murders of this college, and then they just kill women. And it's like, huh, okay, are co-eds gals? Is, is co-ed like what guys called women when they first you started know, going to college? That might be right. That, I'm not actually sure. I always assumed co-ed meant both. Both, yeah. But they, yeah. Plus, well, you know, I'm a Blood Cult for like facts. <laughs> I'm pretty sure of that. I mean, I haven't seen it in a long time, but I'm pretty sure of the, the, it. Wasn't the director Loretta Young's son? Really? Yeah, I believe so. Christopher well, Lewis. I know I told you that the girl that starred in that, um, that's like the uh, daughter of the guy investigating it. Her, She was oh. in Silent Scream as the girl that oh. lives in the house when Rebecca Balding gets there. And she passed away really young. She had cancer. Oh, wow. And not to bring this I down, but like, I, <laughs> I really like her. And I watched yeah. of blood cult last summer. I, you know, I really try to watch those movies with an open mind, but blood cult's a little difficult as, as it's one of the better looking shot on video movies, but not one of the better paced. No, no, captivating no. ones, but she's really good in it. And, um, and so I looked her up cause I thought I'm going to become a friend on Facebook. Well, well, and then you found out the yeah, and then the I news. found out the sad news and everything. Deadly triangle could also involve killing someone with you. Remember those like ruler things that were shaped like triangles? I okay. forget what they were. They were more like sort of geometrical engineering style rulers. Sure, I was just going to call sure. them like triangle ruler. Triangle rulers. <laughs> You know, someone beaten to death with it. It took a very long time. That's what the coroner says. They were beaten to death with this little plastic triangular ruler. It took hours, but it was done. 
<laughs> well, you know what? If you're really motivated and focused, you can do it. Mm-hmm. I think that was the message of Deadly Triangle. Deadly Triangle, <laughs> the motion picture. Yes. Um, okay, so here's our next one. It's called Dark Side of Innocence. Oh. Dan? Okay, I'm just I'm just writing it down so I have it in front of me here. Dark Side of Innocence. Interesting. So It's not a Freudian reading, Dan. Oh, no. I was, <laughs> okay, here we go. Is now, I'm imagining this movie takes place in 1970, the 70s or 80s, possibly even the early 90s. The year is 2010. Ooh. Mankind has finally gone to the moon to live. And the first family to go to the moon, I'm going to call them the Hughes. And they're more or less made up of the same family. It's Valerie Harper, uh, Dennis Weaver, <laughs> and the, the family from Don't Go to sure. Sleep. This is this is sort of like a few years later, and it's like the cast are back together, and this time they're going to the moon, and it's about the family going to the moon, and when they get to the moon, they 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 kind of uh, kind of move in, and their their uh, other other folks start landing, and they eventually take up residence on the dark side of the moon, and it's on the dark side of the moon, never seeing the sun, that uh, the mom falls prey to alcoholism. The dad gets a social disease, and the kids become real little bastards. And uh, it's basically, will they be able to survive in their new surroundings on the dark side of the moon? Will they have to return to the light side, where it's now getting kind of crowded? It's it's now like, what is it, like 2030 or so? Sure. What year did I say at the beginning? I'm sorry. But, or, or will they have to go back to the Earth, which in the year 2020 is incredibly overcrowded? So that's that's sort of the thing. Dark side wow. innocence. That's like so that's, that's layered with metaphor. You, you do what you can when you make up a plot line <laughs> in ten seconds. You do. Great. Um, Mary Tyler Moore. Is, <laughs> you got it. Is a nun who also happens to have an evil twin sister who has framed the nun for the murder of the local minister of the church. Um, and while and basically Mary Tyler Moore, you know, the nun uh, has to go to trial while the evil sister, let's call her Roxy, is just raising hell with Mary Bostwick. <laughs> oh, why just say Mary Bostwick? I wanted him to be in my seduced by seduction after I sent it. I was like, why not just Mary Bostwick in that? <laughs> but he already made a movie with Susan Lucci. Oh, my God, I can't choose. I can't choose. Okay, so believe it or not, Dan got kind of close Oh. with his huh. synopsis, just a little bit, but, but it was surprising to me. So this aired um, on NBC May twentieth, 1976. Uh, Dark Side of Innocence is a drama involving three generations of a family in middle-class suburbia, an affluent housewife who feels that life is passing her by, the daughter she embitters by walking out on the family, and the mother whose traditional values are shaken by the woman's divorce. This was a pilot for a perspective series that never made the cut, starring Joanna Pettit, Ann Archer, John Anderson, and Kim Hunter from Bad Ronald. Wow. And by the way, would you want to see a series every week of, like, I'm embittered because you're getting a divorce? That would be a little rough, especially if it's called Dark Side of Innocence. You know, we we can catch All in the Family or Maud or watch Dark Side of Innocence. I don't know, honey. What do you think? Maud and the Dark Side of Innocence, they walk together hand in hand. I'd read that book, Maud Ampersand, The Dark Side of Innocence. I'd read that book. shows up in that one. Oh my gosh! And if 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 the the other the other night my wife and I watched Mame with Lucille Ball. Yeah, yeah, I have that on which has, disc. 
Yeah, I, we have the we have the DVD of it, and um and B Arthur's all over that. I'd like if 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 B Arthur were in this movie, I'd like her to play a variation of the character she plays in Maud, in Maine, not Maud, Maine. <laughs> Sorry, Maud and Maine. I'm gonna write that down. That's a that was that's a series I'm developing. This is another tough one. Um, I'm going to let you guys go ahead and pick first oh, which um, story you like. Because, see, here's the thing. Well, I think both of you guys have great ideas, but Nate always kind of edges out a little because he throws out, like, Mary Tyler Moore and Robert Urich. Yeah. No, I, I agree with him. When he, he added Mr. Boswick at the end, he was like, I got, I got nothing on that. And yours is so detailed, though. It's well, good. detail that you can come up with, like, off the, just off the cuff. What is that? What is that movie that used to come on Mystery Science Theater with Raul Julia, and it's based on a oh god, Over, overdrawn at the memory bank. That's, yes. Oh, I picture Dark Side of Innocence looking the way you described it, like shot on video, but it's yeah. a suit. Kind of, kind of hazy. Yeah. Yeah. Public television video. Yeah. And you know, I love, I love my Wide World Mystery movies. Oh yes. Oh like yes. A Wide World Mystery kind of. Oh wow! Yeah. So yeah, that's. I don't know if we're going to be able to pick best stories because I'm loving all of them so far. I think I'm going to pick Nate's just because I like the uh, Mary Tyler Moore's because she was also an in Change of Habit with Elvis Presley, That's what but I there was no there was no evil um, Change of Habit, well, Change of Habit. I don't know that that's how the song goes. Once you, that sounds sing it like clam bake, and I think you'll be closer. <laughs> I didn't tell you the best part. Oh, what's the, oh, oh. the best part is the twist at the end of the film is that Mary Tyler Moore's nun character has actually been sneaking out of the church at night and living a second life. She's got a split personality, <gasps> so she really did kill, but she didn't know she did it. Wow. Oh, the twist is so good. And then after, oh, and, then, the and, and then she's the and twin. Then at, the, at the end of, but at the end of the movie. She like falls off a building or something when they're trying to like come back to us, come back. And she's she's you know, both sides are are sort of uh, combative for her soul. And she falls off the building. She hits the ground, and once she hits the ground, someone yells "sister," and then her real twin runs up. Oh, then that's the and, reveal. And then and then it ends with she was schizophrenic, but there is also a twin. And we truly did see the dark side. Of innocence. Of innocence. <laughs> That'll be the last line. I'm yeah. about the mod <laughs> be like, Ben Gazzaro will be like the guy that was following. That truly was the dark side <laughs> of innocence. <laughs> we'll see you next week, folks. Then at that. Okay, now I have one that might cross the line, but we'll oh. see what you can do with it. The movie title is Daddy. I don't like it like this. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I'm oh. gonna let Nate go first. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to go there. Okay. <laughs> what uh, this is about is um, it's uh, a musical. Okay. And it's like a, a Shirley Temple thing where uh, Daddy Warbucks is trying to make her dance in a particular way. But she don't want to dance like that. <laughs> you know, she don't want to do the, the cha-cha. She wants to do the twist. It's modern. Like, you know, get into the modern times. You know, nobody's doing the Charleston anymore. We're doing the twist. Yeah. So it, it's just about, just want to have a, fun. It's a lighthearted comedy about, you know, a precocious uh, child just uh, finding her independence. Do you have, well, you said her. I was thinking Webster, but I guess we can't have Webster. No. Do you have an idea for who you would like in your movie? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'll go with um, young Jodie Foster. Oh, I like oh, it. Nice. I like it. Do you have a Daddy Warbucks? 
I'm I'm gonna be awful at this because I don't remember. Um, I guess who would have been like an, an older man that was kind of famous at the time when she was young. Can I make a suggestion? Yes. Peter Graves. Okay. Okay, I, would, I can go with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see yeah. him in the role because he has that beautiful voice and he's good at comedy. And since this is a lighthearted comedy. That's very lighthearted in that title. <laughs> Dan, do you have an idea what this movie's about? I do. So I, I'd like to do um, uh, the, the dad is Alan Alda. Oh, all right. The daughter, I want to say, is it Tracy Gold from Growing Pains? What's the gal from Growing yes, Pains? That's, that's it, yeah. yeah. Okay. And what happens is he's a, he's a tech guy, and they build uh, giant helicopters. Okay. And they are testing out his brand-new helicopter that fits, like, 20 people. And they're, I don't know, maybe they, it's a big helicopter. They would call that you know, an airplane. It's, not, it's, no, 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 this is an actual, like an, almost like a uh, military helicopter okay, kind right, of thing. Sure. Um, but, but this is for like civilian flight, like taking tours of New York City or, or flying over Hollywood or something like that. And uh, they take it out one night off the roof of this huge skyscraper, like 50, 60 stories off the ground. And it's one of those huge roofs that has like six or seven entrances, you know, that like steps down and all sorts of great stuff and a little railing around it. And they leave the helipad and they go for a little ride and you meet all the people. It's like a disaster film. You meet all the people on there. And, uh, but then it starts, a thunderstorm starts. And the, and the helicopter starts to rock. And somewhere in there, Tracy Gold's character might say something like, Daddy, I don't like it like this, or something <laughs> like that. But what, ha- what happens is there's, been a, there's, th- there's a lot of pollution in the sky. And so this is sort of strange. It's not acid rain, but it's a strange rain. And the sky is, um, the sky is almost a red color. The helicopter lands. Everyone gets out. And they go to the try to get in the doors. The doors are all sealed off. They can't get in. The helicopter is struck by lightning and becomes possessed by Satan. And the 20 people have to keep away from the killer satanic helicopter. And let me tell you, sister, it ain't easy. And Tracy Gold throughout it says, Daddy, I don't like it like this. <laughs> well, I want to know who some of the people on the <laughs> helicopter are. If it's a disaster film, it's got to be all-star. Do you have some oh, ideas? Everyone, everyone you could think of. Um, I know Robert Foxworth will be on oh. there. Foxy, Robert Foxy. Yes, and he'll have the beard. He'll have the beard. uh, And he may be like a, um, uh, he may be like the pilot or something. Sure. Do him and Alan Alda bicker all the time over the creation of the helicopter? That would be great. And you could throw Susan Lucci in there. That's no no problem at all. Okay. We have the budget. Yeah, and so it would just be it would just be a mix of all the great fo- Marlon Proctor from Three Fifty Seven Magnum would be there, Berta Benning from The Incredible Melting Man, mm-hmm. they'd all be there. Oh, by the way, I listen. We'll talk about this at the end, but you, I listened to your eventually Super Train episode two today, and oh, did, uh, and you threw out the name Marge Doucet. Oh yes. Can we throw Marge Doucet on your helicopter? Oh yeah, Marge Doucet can be on there. Sure, right. if we, if we get like a her. Susan Anton on there or something. Sure. Oh yeah. yeah, sure. That's oh, you know, and a, and a young Tim Matheson. Of course, of course. Oh, let's I, do that. I, I, believe, love... I can't believe you didn't think we hadn't already thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a good cast. I so, think it's, yeah, it's probably Daddy. I like it like this. I think it's probably better than the real movie, which aired on CBS. So there's some interesting things about this movie. It just sounds like something I wouldn't watch, but it aired on CBS on July 12, 1978. It is about the unfulfilled dreams of. Whoa, did I write this down right? Let's see if this makes sense. The unfulfilled dreams of his parents and the tensions created at home cause life to become a nightmare for a youngster who seeks release and withdrawal to his own world. Burt Young wrote the story 
with a starring role for himself and a and Adele Aldrich, daughter of director Robert Aldrich, made her, her TV directing debut. But what's really interesting is Talia Shire. Am I saying that name right? Talia Shire? Talia, Talia, I believe. Is in the movie, too, and they made it around the time of Rocky. And oh, wow. according to IMDb, they shot it in a neighborhood in New York, and Sylvester Stallone actually came to the filming of it. Oh, wow. So it's, it's an interesting movie because Burt Young wrote it. Uh-huh. It just doesn't sound like a movie I would probably want to watch. Yeah, that's um. Yeah, I think you title, came up with better. The title implies a little more something. It, it sounds like there's kids are getting like you know that movie. I'm, I'm trying to not use the word pedophilia, but that's what it sounds like. <laughs> it, it sounds like incest. It sounds like something yeah. about Amelia. It sounds like Fallen Angel. It sounds like Do You Like the Muffin Man? It sounds like all of those movies. Mm-hmm. By seduction, it sounds like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? About a half a dozen of the ABC, the, the after school specials. Yeah, gone horribly, horribly wrong. What's that one? It actually has touch, Don't Touch Me There or something like that. Have you seen that after school special with um, oh. Lenny Von Dolan? Plays like a child molester. And he's doing horrible things to this little girl, and she's got a babysitter, and the babysitter had been molested herself, so she starts to recognize the signs. Oh, wow. I think. It's that a, sounds familiar. It's not like Don't Touch Me or something like that in the title. It's really – I watched it because of the title. It's really good. Uh-huh. It's really good, but it's intense. Yeah. That's what I thought this movie was. It sounds more like a coming-of-age sort of thing. Do you know what I mean? It, yeah. it sounded all like the horribleness. Sounds that like Secret Life of Walter, Walter Mitty for yeah. a little kid or something. Yes. Or like Nate's – oh, my goodness, which might become a soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> the genuine shock of that title was really <laughs> – yeah, I came across it. I was like, okay. So here's the next one. Now, I have seen this movie. I don't agree with the synopsis of it, so I'm going to tell you what the movie's about after you guys do your thing, and then I'll tell you what it's really about. So the movie is called The Henderson Monster. Oh, wow. Um, Dan? Well, I think, I, think I, I don't have to wander too far here. Um, I'm sure we've all seen Street Trash, <laughs> which has the, um, the uh, Tenafly Vapor. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is this strange old booze that they sell to the bums that makes them dissolve and explode. Mm -hmm. This isn't quite like that, but this is about Mr. Jonathan Henderson, played by young Jack Klugman, who he likes his drinking. I don't know what his job would be. I mean, I want to say I want to make him a coroner, which is why I want to make him so hard (laughs) drinking, but let's let's not do that. I'll make him him a sports writer. No, I won't do that either. Um, so he, he's just a guy, he's just a regular working Joe who goes into an office and he does something or other. And it's, it's sort of like the, um, the dad in the wonder years, you know, it's like half the, you don't really know half the time what the heck he does, you know, and it's, it's sort of, he goes in and he does what he does, but, and he's becoming increasingly, um, blase or, or the ennui is setting in hard. And so he's beginning to take a little more to the drink and his wife played by, Oh gosh, who was the who's the lady in Too Close for Comfort? The the uh, um, oh, the, Nancy Desalt. Yes, the, oh. the that's the that's the fact his wife. that you just threw out a Nancy Desalt reference. <laughs> I'm already throwing down the bucks to get this made. <laughs> and 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 basically, what happens is he goes. He has a liquor store he goes to called the House of Bacchus, which is off of Titus Avenue. And he goes to the House of Bacchus once a week, and he stocks up the back of his car with all the booze he needs. And he's the only one that has the key to that trunk. So the family doesn't know how much booze is back there, how much he's drinking. And one day, the owner of the house of Bacchus, Mr. Bacchus, offers him this box of booze. 
A Bacchus box of booze. Oh, the Bacchus box of booze is old. I think you know what? Even better, it's it's a case of box wine, and he says a box, box of, wine. Box of cased wine. I can't do box that. Of, a case of a box wine. Um, the only thing with box wine is you, unlike a bottle of wine, you can't put it in a paper bag because it would be an enormous box. <laughs> um, but, but he does it anyway. It, he does it. He does it anyway. And what happens is he starts drinking this, and. When night hits and everyone is is asleep, and he's he's one of those guys who falls asleep to John, the news and Johnny Carson. Sure. When Johnny Carson is finished, he has his last sip of this booze, which I haven't found a name for yet because um, I haven't thought of one. Uh, he suddenly starts to change. A change comes over Mr. Henderson, and he becomes a bit of a monster. And it's about this monster who ter- starts to terrorize this neighborhood and peace. And there's this um. Oh, I don't want to say Robert Foxworth again. Let's oh Christopher George, of course. Sure. Christopher George is the cop who shows up, and he's like, "There's some sort of clue that Klugman left, and he's after him." And this kind the of Klugman junk is going. Klugman clue from the Bacchus box of wine. Bacchus box of wine. The well, the first the, the first person that the Henderson monster kills is Mister Bacchus. <gasps> so no one can learn about the Bacchus box of wine, and it's basically one of those things where it goes along, and it could be one of those things where in the end he goes off, he like. And when he's the monster, he drives off in his car, and he's got the case in the back of the car, and he accidentally leaves the trunk open. And so when he goes up back into his house, a nosy neighbor looks in the back of the trunk and sees this old box wine and realizes what's going on and calls the police. And George Buck Flowers <laughs> shows up. Oh, what's his name? Buck Flowers. Did he ever <laughs> he shows do TV? Up. What? I don't think he ever did any TV, but we're going to have him do TV here, just like his detectiveness and criminally insane. He's going to show up and catch him can, in the end. Can his daughter, Burkina Flower, do the makeup? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think I want to say just as a twist, Christopher George's character should get killed about three quarters of the way. I think in. Christopher George's character should also be a monster. Oh, my gosh. Like dueling monsters. Yeah. Where, yeah, where some his of last the... name was Henderson, right? Oh, my gosh. Could, they, could, could, could it be that, that right at the end, Buck Flowers' character reveals that um, Christopher George's character, he changed his name 20 years ago. From it's, It was Detective John Smith, but his real name was Clifton Esmeralda Henderson. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. And that's the, that's the twist in the end, is that there were two monsters, and, and George, Christopher George was trying to pin them all on Klugman. Maybe Klugman wasn't even killing. Maybe it was George who was doing. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm working this out in my head as we speak. But that's the basics of it. That's a lot of basics because the Klugman killing clue led back to the Bacchus box of wine. Yes. And that's a lot to take in. <laughs> it really, it really is. I'm writing it all down. Nate. Uh, mine's maybe a little bit more of a lighthearted affair about a gigantic <laughs> crocodile in the Florida yes. Everglades, oh. and it's in a small town of Henderson. And a local news reporter Joan Collins and her, <laughs> you know, kind of mousy put upon assistant Joyce Dewitt head <laughs> on one of those fan boats along with their photographer Bob Denver. <gasps> and oh, wow. they end up in a fight throughout the night with this giant alligator when their fan boat's fan stops working. So it's like Empire of the Ants, but with the giant alligator and Bob Denver. Yes. Wow. <laughs> now, does Bob Denver and Joan Collins, do they have a love scene? Well, yes, after poor Joyce DeWitt, you know, falls in and gets <laughs> killed by that's, the gator. That's so her luck, isn't it? Uh, it's sad. I, I, it was a, it's a sad scene. <laughs> 
I would say maybe she should get a limb eaten, and then they drag her away, and then ten minutes later she gets another limb eaten. I don't want to see Joyce do it without one of her limbs. I take that back. <laughs> I just can't. It's a very, it's a very quick. I mean, because it's you know filmed in the you know the early eighties. I'm gonna say because it was filmed mm. in the early eighties. Uh, we don't really see anything. She just falls in the water, and it's very. You get a close-up of Bob Denver and Joan Collins' huge dramatic reactions, and it cuts to commercial. When it comes back, they're crying because you know she's died during the commercial break. Oh, I was oh, crying yeah. too. You know, in Empire of the Ants, when her lover gets eaten, she's like on a boat, or they're—I don't know what they're doing—and she's somewhere, and she goes, "I wish I hadn't seen Jack die that way." And every time I hear that line, I think if Jack had died somewhere else, would that be okay? Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could have seen him die more, you know, fitting way. Yeah, that was, the way he died was horrible. He should have died like this. Spontaneous combustion or something like that. So here's the synopsis that I think was in Merrill for the Henderson Monster. It aired on CBS on um, May 27, 1980. Actor playwright Jason Miller is a moody egotistical Nobel scientist in DNA research in this variation on the Frankenstein theme. Christine, with Christine Lottie as his PhD assistant and Stephen Collins, her cynical, hard-drinking science fiction writer husband, as the other key figures agonizing over Miller's single-minded efforts to tamper with Mother Nature. Now that actually sounds good, right? Yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's horrible. Oh. It's a horrible, horrible oh. movie. There's no monster. The monster is what might happen. So Shockhead 2020 on IMDb wrote this, and I think this is a little more accurate, even though the title suggests different. This really isn't a horror or science fiction movie, more like a social policy debate movie. It starts off about a research scientist who accidentally flushes some bad microbes down a sink. It's not like an outbreak where a terrible disease takes the city hostage, just people talking and screaming at one another about the possibility of an outbreak. Stephen Collins turns in a wacky performance as the scientist's husband who likes to jump around and accuse people of playing God. I kind of liked its low-key thoughtfulness, but nothing really goes on. I did not like its low-key thoughtfulness. <laughs> I bought it that movie in a giant clamshell, and I watched uh-huh. it just recently, like in the like whatever the weekend before Stephen Collins, it became public that he was doing things he shouldn't be doing with little kids. I don't know if you remember oh, that yeah. news story. Like the weekend before that news story came out, my husband and I watched the Henderson Monster, and we were horrified by how not good it was. The horror of it was that it really is just people talking for three hours, and I'm not saying it doesn't have moments. Mm-hmm. But the the monster is really like about what could happen. It has nothing to do with what's actually happening. That's too bad. For some reason, I keep thinking of those completely different. The movie Metamorphosis. Oh, the horror movie, the Italian one. Yeah, the Phil Mirage one with the with the which is I don't know. I I thought I for some reason I thought it was going to be like that when you started the synopsis. And then when you said it, there's no monster or anything, I thought, oh, okay, it's not like that at all. But, no, um, no, it's not like that at all. Um, no. I'm not sure. I like both of your guys'. See, when you were going with the Henderson monster, I thought you were going to get more metaphorical, Dan, and have the alcohol be the monster. I, I did that like three uh, synopses ago. <laughs> I, wanted, I, wanted this to, I wanted this to be just more. keep coming up with them, isn't it? You know, it's like, yeah, like that helicopter is really possessed by Satan on that roof. It drinks. Yes. No, that helicopter, That this helicopter is not a drunk. That's good. This, this is not drunk Satan. <laughs> but I like it. I like the Bacchus box of wine yeah. and the Klugman killing clues. I think those are good. <laughs> but, you know, when you have Joyce DeWitt getting eaten by a giant alligator in front of Joan Collins, yeah, who then make out to console themselves. 
that's, that's almost that's like primeval or something. Like, that's like number one programming for the week and maybe years. <laughs> yeah, I've got to go with Nate's on this one here. I, I don't know that I can think of a better visual right now than that. Or a worse yeah. visual. It depends on where you're coming from. <laughs> and they're in the, one of those fan boat things that I love. Yes, I do too. I always call those paddle boats, but I guess are they fan boats? I don't know what the heck they're called. Uh, it's from the south, and he must live near a swamp, and he must live in a backwoods house with only one window that's boarded. Right? <laughs> Am I right, Nick? Oh, yeah. That's a perfect description of where <laughs> I'm at right at this moment. <laughs> and, and you're a moonshiner. Okay. You're going to love me some moonshine. I don't know how you have internet. I think you do it through a can with a string. Well, we actually upgraded. We're using dial-up now down here. I'm so impressed. I'm so impressed. So I figured you would know if it was a fan boat or a paddle boat. I think it's a fan boat, but I don't even know that much. I was not offended by that, by the way. No. Uh, yeah, I would say, say like one of those swamp boats with the big fan. That's like how I describe like in... Miami Horror or Police Academy that's Five. We think well, about you know, and, and that's how John Collins ends up killing the gator and getting away as she finally gets that fan going right <laughs> when it's coming, you know, right at her. And she sp- she spins it around like yes. on a dime. Yeah. And yeah, and earlier on in the movie she has to spin it on a dime but she can't do it. Yeah, but, but then she in can the end, in the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the alligators come and she does it. And and it hits the fan. Oh, it hits it, it the fan. It was so impressive that they added that as a competition into the Battle of the Network Stars. Oh, do that <laughs> fan boat, fan boat riding. Oh. <laughs> it was her against Catherine Bach. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which was, now that's, that's and I, I don't, I don't need, to, I don't need to point out to everyone real quick. Uh, but three months from now, we're in August. Three months from now is the 40th anniversary of the first episode of Battle of the Network Stars. Oh wow. Wow. Time flies, yeah. doesn't it? It really does when you're having a good time with Howard Cosell. That's hard friends. to believe because I rem- I don't think I obviously don't remember all of them. I would have been too young. But I remember them from like eight on. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the late 70s. Yeah, I remember probably from the end of the 70s, start of the 80s, yeah. maybe around, uh, yeah, like uh, one, two, three, four, five. So yeah, probably around there. Yeah, seven I think or eight. so. Wow. Well, that's something to chew on, literally, <laughs> if we pick Nate's film. Mm-hmm. I think we should. Okay, so here's our last one, and I actually have a really amazing soundbite for this one. But the movie is called Murder by Moonlight. Nate. Well, we uh, it's New York City, and we have a serial killer called the Moonlight Killer that only kills mm. when there's a full moon. And seasoned uh, police officer partners Lee Grant and Stalker <laughs> Channing oh. are oh. after this serial killer. Um, and in the end, when they finally do, you know, catch him as he's just about to murder his last uh, victim, who is a prostitute played by Heather Locklear, <gasps> the mask is ripped off, and we find out it was their police captain the entire time, who is played by um, is the original uh, Gomez Adams. Is that John Aston? John Aston. Uh, yeah. yeah, he's the murderer, and he was also oh, wow. the police uh, detective. And um, he actually um, was doing it for his wife, played by Morgan Fairchild. <laughs> Wait, John Aston was married to Morgan Fairchild? Yeah. Oh, my God. And now why was he killing for her? Was he angry at her, or was it, like, to give her trophies? No, or? it was actually, she was the real murderer, but he, uh, you know the movie Not School? Oh, no, don't feel sure. it. I haven't seen it. 
Okay, I'll never reveal. You haven't seen. You haven't seen Night School. <laughs> no, can you believe that? I still haven't seen I'm it. I'm surprised. Wow. Okay, well, you got one. I won't spoil one anything. Course. But ultimately, it's like Night he's um, yeah. It's uh, I, that's what I was picturing in my head. The Moonlight Killer. That that sounds actually excellent. Plus, I want to know like. Lee Grant and Stalker Channing in the same room would be almost too much. Like, I don't know that a camera could hold them in the same frame. That's just too much awesome right there. <laughs> she's terrifying. Like, if she pulled me over, Lee Grant is terrifying. If she pulled me over, my hands would be up. I'd be like, just take me in. <laughs> don't kill me. She's amazing. I love her, but she's really intimidating as well. Even now, like in her 90s, she's a total pistol. You see her at the end of that movie, The Spell. Yes. Oh, she's a bad. She's very intimidating. Smoking, yeah. taking care of business. That's right. Oh yeah. That's right. I love her. Dan, what's your idea for Murder by Moonlight? Well, what a lot of people don't know is that um, the original pilot uh, for Cagney and Lacey, <laughs> uh, actually, they were not cops. They were two sisters who solved crimes. Is that true? Yes, and Murder by Moonlight is the story of that. That their names were actually Cagney and Lacey Johnson. No, they weren't. And they, uh, <laughs> Murder by Moonlight is them being called to an old dark house on a coastline, sort of like um, in Dark Shadows, you know, the house sure, is on, like the, gothic kind on, of, on the coastline. Yeah. And, and Donna Reed is the matriarch who is one step away from death. And Marriott Hartley is the um, sort of uh, semi-evil daughter who runs the place. And there are a lot of random, um, uh, I want to say Ephraim Zimbalist Jr., Sure. Is a sort of ne'er do well son. Um, one of the other sons is. Well, although isn't he's around, he older than Donna Reed, though? That's that's why the pilot never got picked up. <laughs> retooled it because the other son is is it Hugh O'Brien? Yes. Um, well, from think, Search. And, yes. I don't know if he's older than Donna Reed would have been, but close. But um, and so it's that, and of of course my uh, my guy Doug McClure. Sure. Is in there and. Um, and it's basically it's basically it's, it's a straight up old dark house mystery. And Cagney and Lacey are sort of what what they were doing was the Snoop sisters hadn't worked sure. that well, and so they tried it with two younger women. Is it the same actresses or? No, yeah, it's Tyne Daly and um, well, Sharon. Sharon Glass wasn't the original. Loretta Swit was. Well, no, no. In the original, original, <laughs> they it was got it back. And then what they what they did was. Time Daly said, I think we need Loretta Swit to join me on this, and I think we need to be cops. But then that didn't work, so they brought back Sharon Glass okay. because she had a contract signed already. Wow. So this is, this is basic, it's, it's your basic murder mystery, except it's two characters that we would love as cops, except they're kind of younger, almost spinstery sisters who solve crimes in old dark houses. And there's, of course, there's a gorilla, and there's like clawed <laughs> hands course. that reach out. From behind like bed curtains and things like that, it's all fantastic stuff. That sounds fun. It's a very, it was a very fun movie. I wish, I wish they Cagney and Lacey had followed that because I would have watched it. Uh, I will say that Murder by Moonlight, of all the movies we talked about, this, I think this one's going to top everybody's ideas because wow. it sounds amazing. So it originally aired on CBS on May 9th, nineteen eighty. Okay, so before I get back to the date, a lot of these aired during May. I don't know if you noticed that. But. <laughs> so May 9th, 1989, futuristic British-made murder mystery set on the moon in the year 2015 where the Americans and Soviets are sharing a colony and a killing brings Brigitte Nielsen as NASA's top space age investigator 
and Julian Sands as an arrogant KGB agent, I guess, again into ro- oh, I wrote that wrong, into romance as well as professional conflict. Wow. Okay, that might win. With Gerald yeah. McCraney. And I'm not making this up, and here is the original TV spot for it. A cold-blooded murder a million miles in space. They're going to bring in their cops, not bring in our cops. This woman has no authority here. And an investigation that gets hotter by the minute. There was something he knew that killed him. What the hell's going on here? The future of world peace hangs in the balance if this ruthless killer can't be stopped before he kills again. Brigitte Nielsen, Murder by Moonlight, next Tuesday. O-M-G. Oh, wow. That has to be the best. Well, rea- reality wins that one. <laughs> I couldn't believe when I stumbled on that in the Merrill book. I was like, what? Brigitte wow. Nielsen is a NASA's top space <laughs> investigator? Oh, my God. And Jeff wow. McCraney from Major Dad and Simon and Simon and Julian Sands. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Okay, yeah, the yeah that wins that one. I yeah. think That's, I want to watch it. Oh, I want to watch it too. Trust me, I'm planning on seeing it as soon as I can. Um, okay, so those are our um, movie synopsis guessing games. So now I'm going to give you the na- the synopsis of a movie, and I'm going to give you five very similar sounding titles, and mm-hmm. then you just tell me what title you think it belongs with. I didn't write down the synopses of the other films, so I can only tell you what one film is. Um, so let's start with a movie that aired on CBS, uh, April 12, 1995. Mark Harmon is a Boston priest, late night talk radio show host in the psychological thriller who hears anonymous callers, true confessions, and becomes involved in a murder inquiry and with a killer who calls to confess. So your title options are Original Sins, Mortal Sins, Sins of Silence, Sins of the past or sins of the father? Nate? I will go with sins of the father. Okay. Is there a reason? I'm just, I'm taking a shot in the dark because I feel like maybe his, the killer's reasoning has something to do with the father. Sure. The priest, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty good guess. Um, Dan? I'm going to go with sins of the past. Okay. Why? Uh, just because when you read them, that's the one I immediately wrote down. So that one seemed right oh, to me. Okay. The title was actually Original Sins. Oh. Yeah. There's a heartbreaker. Well, I mean, they're so generic, the titles. You know what mm. I mean? That they could have been anything. So our next one is a movie that aired on NBC October 26, 1987. Okay, Meryl wrote this, and I've seen this movie. It's not very good. Murky mystery in which a naive young woman discovers unsettling things about her overprotective husband after he disappears and is presumed dead and soon finds that she is married to a stranger. Your title choices are Best Kept Secrets, Deep Dark Secrets, Deadly Family Secrets, Deep Family Secrets, or Keeping Secrets. Dan? I'm going to go Deep Dark Secrets. Okay, is there a reason for that? Uh, that was my favorite of them. Okay. It's one of the better ones for sure. Nate? Uh, I'm going with Deadly Family Secrets because it sounds very oh. TV movie-ish. <laughs> but see, here's the thing. Not only did you get to choose between Deadly Family Secrets, but you also had Deep Family Secrets. <laughs> it's like somebody wrote that movie in the, the same movie that just changed the title a little bit. You know what I mean? 
Um, so Dan actually got that one. It is Deep Dark Secret. Yeah. What? It stars James Brolin, Melody Anderson, and Pamela Bellwood. And it had an AKA, which is another generic title called Intimate Betrayal, which is my co- the copy I have. And I've seen Intimate Betrayal like 15 times because I always go through my DVDs and I come across it. It doesn't have a case. We taped it off, you know, Lifetime or whatever. And I and I go, ooh, Intimate Betrayal. I bet that's good. And then I put it on and it's the same freaking movie with James Brolin pretending like he's dead and whoever the girl is that I just said, Melody Anderson realizing it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I'm not a fan. But anyway, okay, so those were our games. Um, I had a lot of fun with those. Uh, What we can do if we decide we want to keep doing this, we can either do special episodes like this or if you guys want to pick a movie title and throw it on us at the beginning of a show. Oh yeah, maybe uh, maybe the next show one of us could pick a title, sure, like a just a segment, you know, for like a couple minutes. Because uh, yeah, I don't know that I'd be as good with coming up with the plot synopsis as you guys have been. Because I know that was I realized <laughs> when we got to Henderson Monster, it was getting really hard because because <laughs> then Dan was like, I did that three days ago, and because <laughs> you, you know, do we do one or two in a in an episode, yeah, I think sure, we'd be, okay. be fine. Um, and if people out there enjoyed it or if they want to send us a title, um, I'll give you our contact information and I can go ahead and ask uh, Dan and Nate to come up with um, what they think the movie's about. You can email us at tvmayhempodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at tvmayhempodcast. Or you can join our Facebook page, which is just under the Made for TV Mayhem show. And then just real quick before we go, I wanted to um, – so Hysteria Continues took a break. I think you're on the break right now, right, Nate? Yeah, we are. And you're coming back at the end of the month? Uh, I believe so. Uh, I think we're supposed we're supposed to record in a few weeks. Oh, good. So. Okay. And you're doing Slumber Party Massacre 2? Yes. I'm so excited. Nice. I haven't seen that movie since like 1997. Oh, I love that. I'll probably watch that movie at least once a year. I ha- You know what? I found my copy of it, and my husband had gone to – he when we lived in Pittsburgh, he used to have these friends that used to have B-movie nights, and I never went to them because they lasted all night, and I'm a kind of an early bird person. And he would he came home one day, and he's like, we watched Slumber Party Massacre 2. And so I was like, so I just found our copy, and he didn't want to watch it with me because he'd already seen it. Oh. So again, I got pushed aside for a while, and now I don't even know where our copy is anymore. But, um, so I need to revisit it because I remember loving it. It's but you'll find you'll find intimate betrayal. Oh. In an yeah, instant. and you'll put that on instead. Every time I go through my movies, I'll find a copy of Intimate Betrayal. And it against the wall. I bet you, I bet your husband has actually placed like seven or eight copies in there. Just to dress so it. He's gaslighting me, guys. <laughs> Big time. And Dan, you have a new podcast. Do you want to tell us about it? I do. Uh, it's called Eventually Super Train. It is the short-lived TV show podcast where we cover. Uh, TV shows that didn't last very long, didn't get enough love, and eventually we will cover Super Train. Each episode consists of three segments. Each segment covers one episode, uh, short-lived show. So right now we are in the show's Cliffhangers, which was a Kenneth Johnson show from early 1979 that ran for 11 episodes. Uh, We're in Joni Loves Shachi, which ran for 17 episodes. And there's someone on this podcast named Amanda, who's my co-host, Discussing Joni Loves Chachi. Yay. 
I think we do a pretty good job of it, if I may, my, if I may say so. And then the third show at the moment is Cobra, the Michael Dudikoff syndicated uh, Stephen J. Cannell show from ninety three ninety four, where my wife uh, Madeline and I sit around and eat eat food and and talk to dogs and talk about Cobra. So so it's pretty it's it's pretty fun and it's on iTunes under eventually Super Train. It's on Stitcher under eventually Super Train, and the um, the website is eventually supertrain.blogspot.com. And we're on Facebook, eventually Super Train. It's eSuperTrain1 is the Twitter handle. So I wish you I, hadn't said you were on Stitcher because I have no idea how to do that, and I sound really non-technical. Oh, it, it, <laughs> it, 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 took, it took five minutes oh, really? for me to set it up. So I, I can, I, yeah, it was super, super easy. It, it was literally, I set up iTunes, and then I was like, why don't I try Stitcher? And then five wow. minutes later, I set that up, and by the end well, of the day. I was compared like, to iTunes, it probably seemed easy. Yeah, iTunes is a bit of a pain. Yeah, it's in a pain in the ass. But once you get yeah. it on there, it's on there. So. Oh yeah, forever. Yeah. So. So, so yeah, folks. If if you want to listen, like I said, Amanda and I, we take up a third of it talking. You can meet my good friend Tom, who is my co-host on the show, and uh, Tom's a little belligerent, but he's a sweetheart. So. Yeah, it's a good listen. To... I listened to episode two today. Thank you. Episode yeah. one. So, and of course, we all know this story continues is like one of the best podcasts. Yes. Ever. Yes. So, and also, I think I want to throw out uh, just a shout out to a random podcast uh not random i mean i've talked about it before but strange and deadly actually mentioned eventually super strain oh yes they did um nice. and they got podcast mania wrong <laughs> but thank <laughs> you forgetting to mention that we also do another podcast dan and i called podcast mania which is also on itunes um mm-hmm. and they're on facebook and if you like horror movies you should check that out but i wanted to return the favor because they didn't have to promote either one of those yeah and it was nice of them to do that and Very cool. and you know how much i love strange and deadly it's like my favorite podcast so mm-hmm. um so check them out if you can. And we'll be back in a couple weeks with our favorite actresses. Are we still all deliberating on who we're going to pick? Yes. Yeah. I, More or less, I yeah. Too. Yeah, I realize that TV movies are really female-centric. And mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of wonderful women who made TV movies. There's some obvious choices, but I'm yeah. kind of wanting to put a spotlight, like I did with Robert Reed, sort of, on well, somebody yeah. who I don't think it's mentioned as much. And so I've got it narrowed down, but it's tough. So, yeah, it's good. so we'll all be surprised in a couple of weeks when we hear each Yay. and we'll talk to you all soon. So good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Everyone.